0: what is up everybody welcome to comic book club i'm alex i'm pete and we are coming to you live from a couple of places on the couple of, of internet we are internet. live on youtube we're live on crowdcast we are unlive On iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the podcast app of your choice. But however you watch or listen, thank you so much for doing it. We have a great show for you tonight that I'm very excited to roll out later on in the show. Sal Crivelli is going to be here. I know there's a couple of, uh, what do you guys call them, population are over in the YouTube comments. They're representing. Hello to everybody over there. But before we get into it, there's something we should talk about, Pete. We should talk about tonight's drink. Tonight's special right. drink that we all made, which I'm very excited
2: about. So, Pete, every week on the show, mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. what do you drink? I drink uh, what I have in front of me. You know what I mean? Definitely. Like I, I say, okay, what do I got in the old fridge, and mm-hmm. what can I add booze to? And got some, uh, yeah, you got some uh, and uh, cream, you know, a lot. Add lot some of booze to it. You exactly. got some hummus, Add some booze add- to it. That's right. You know, you don't get picky. Yeah. That's Um, called a hummus Collins. Yeah. Well, you know, and it's nice, you know, in our uh, slack uh, people, you know, talking about drinks, making drinks, stray bullies, our own uh, chef who's unbelievable.
0: But we should talk Uh, about this. So stray bullet, AKA Brett Macris is the official chef of comic book club. He is also a real life chef de cuisine at Bouchon down in New Orleans. And he thought, hey, maybe we could. Oh, Koshan. Did I say Bushan? Koshan. Sorry about that, straight bullet. Anyway, he thought he could plus up your regular vodka Collins, uh, vodka Palmer, right? Yeah, yeah. Yep. Vodka Palmer. So you were doing like an Arnold Palmer with a little vodka in it, yeah, or like yeah. a little Arnold Palmer and a lot of vodka, one of the two, either way. Well,
2: one of the, you know.
0: Yeah, but he came up with his own recipe to make a, a fancier version of it. Which a Straight Bullet, cool. I don't know if it's okay with you if I share it. You can just say so if I share it with the class here. Share it with the yeah, class. Yeah, do it. Okay, here we go. So I'm going to share it here, and then we'll get into the comics talk after we get to this. But this is the drink that he designed for you, Pete. So this is... You take uh, two ounces of vodka, an ounce mm-hmm. of limoncello, which we got for another one of the recipes. Doesn't... Well, we got it. You, of course, you also, I'm sure, got it, Pete, because we were making these recipes from the... So
2: I go to a liquor store and I say, excuse me, can I have limoncello? And they're going to be like, get out. Yeah. They'll had you like a tiny little lemon with strings on it that
0: you can go like this. Oh, and it makes nice. makes a very deep noise. I'm a dad. One <laughs> ounce of lemon juice, <laughs> half an ounce simple syrup. And what you what that do that is you take it, you mix it all together over ice... Then you strain it into a cool glass with ice, and then you pour iced tea over it, and then you garnish with a candied lemon wedge, which he also gave directions on how to do that. Yeah. And uh, that... But I got it right here. I made it with some black tea. It is a very refreshing summer drink.
2: Ooh. Uh, you look so fancy.
0: There you go. It's very nice. Uh, Pete, how was yours when you definitely made this special drink that Brett specifically so, designed? So what
2: you? I did, which is a uh-huh. little different, and I appreciate Brett Macris is a legend, uh, what I did was I took the vodka that I had mm-hmm. and then dumped all of it into a glass. <laughs> and then I decided how much lemonade I wanted to drink and then kind of poured that until I was like, that's enough lemonade. And then I stirred it with one, you know, uh, chopstick, you know, but whatever you got around, you can get a stick stick. You know, whatever <laughs> oh, you just use, like a get, stick out of the woods. You know, you like a witch's cauldron, a broom, mm-hmm. and over your knee, and just oh, kind of right. use that to stir. Sure, sure. You know, whatever you're into.
0: Now, I texted you before the show, Pete. Yeah, right. And I said, "Hey, are you going to make the Pete Palmer? It's as it's been named, as requested. Everybody would love right. for you to see you try it." And you said um i appreciate the love but i can't run around asking for shit i don't want and i said i can pay for the other liquors if you want to have them sent directly right, but it would to you. go to waste because... and then you said and then i throw them away it would be a waste man and i was yeah. like pretty insulted i don't want to give you any gifts anymore
2: because yeah, it sounds like you would just throw them with, immediately i don't want in the garbage. to give you any gifts anymore what i'm saying is if you sent me the the fancy shit right Mm-hmm. I would be like, oh, this is so great. I'll put this lemoncello over here. I don't know what you do with lemoncello. And then it would sit there for months. And then it would like, I would move it to another place and then move it somewhere else. And as time goes by, I would eventually throw it away. So I said, please don't send me things that, you know.
0: Well, first of all, what you do with a lemoncello is it is a key part of any good citrus orchestra it's very important uh, for that
2: you're going to keep hitting that same dad joke you're <laughs> over just and over wow. all day long I mean, uh, you I know it's interesting this was a, this.
0: something I was going to bring up but it kind of naturally came up with the comments I was thinking well I could buy you a thing of limoncello and you said you texted back no I don't care I just forget about it and throw it out months later Right? you live with somebody else who might appreciate some good cocktails and might appreciate a fancy liquor and, and in fact that person says maybe we can make the cocktails together Pete
2: uh, don't't don't be a nice to... couple activity. Right, don't Pete? get me in trouble here. You don't know what it's like, okay? This, isn't, this is of no concern to you. <laughs> well, anyway, thank you, Brett, for designing
0: the Pete Palmer. I hope everybody is enjoying a freshing Pete Palmer, or if you're having a good Hummus Collins out there, whatever you're doing. Hey,
2: whatever you're into, put some booze into it, you know?
0: <laughs> uh, all right, as mentioned, we have a couple of great guests for you on the show, but I want to bring in the first one here. He is the creator of a new kickstarter project called manchild that is running right now his name is nandor fox schaefer nandor welcome to the show hello hey
3: Hey guys thank you for having me it's a pleasure to be here i'm i'm so excited no problem i really like the framing of your comic
0: corner there with the shield right over your head that's really good
3: i just have a black wall going on (laughs) yeah yeah i actually uh i started a youtube channel this year and i I was doing all these streams and going on all these shows last year for my for my other book. And I knew uh, for my new one that I wanted to uh, just uh, have a better setup and, and uh, share with everyone what I love behind me. And so they kind of get a sense of my personality or what I like to read or, you know, my, my interests and stuff. But uh, so, yeah, uh, I moved these shelves and did all this uh, work in my office here. Uh, the beginning of like January, February, and and got it all going. So I'm I'm pretty happy with it. It turned it. Th- there were some happy accidents, and the shield was one of them. I was like, that'd be a really cool centerpiece. So I, I decided to go with that. Well, it works. It's really working
0: for you. Uh, let's talk about Manchild a little bit because this is an interesting project. Uh, it's live Thank as you. we mentioned yeah. on Kickstarter right now. Uh, you still got 21 days to go if anybody wants to pledge it at the end of this. But the big thing is it's inspired and dedicated to the life of comics legend Stan Lee is what it says here right at the top where, I mean, it's kind of obvious why people are inspired by Stan Lee, but why in particular were you inspired by Stan Lee?
3: Totally. Uh, So this story is really fresh in my mind. I mean, I've been, I've been working on it for a year or two, but uh, I got the idea for it after Stan Lee passed, and uh, after he passed, I was really devastated, and a world without Stan Lee seemed like a lesser world, and I wanted to uh, give back, uh, and I wanted to do something that paid uh, homage to him or tribute, and I wanted to uh, rediscover the, really his his life and his his history and, and the history of Marvel Comics. And so I did a lot of research. I read uh, three, four biographies about his life and about the history of Marvel Comics. And I uh, went back to the Silver Age and, and the Marvel Age of Comics and started rereading uh, the classics uh, that he and Kirby and Ditko did. And uh, I just found a new love for for him and for what he was able to do. And, and the more I researched him and the more I looked at his life and, um, uh, his insecurities as a creator and at a time when comics were definitely not respected. Um, and we we still have some work there today, but can you imagine, you know, in the sixties and, and, uh, doing comics, writing comics and not seen as a real creator or a real writer that's actually making, um, you know, literature or, you know, great art. And so that really inspired what the story became. And it started with that. And then it just blossomed into something more. Yeah. Well, uh, correct
0: me if I'm wrong, but I believe part of the idea is that you've got superheroics, you got regular comic book stuff going on there, but you've also at the same time, got some real world stuff as well. So how do you balance that yeah. mix? How do you bring it together?
3: yeah it's it's a uh, it's honestly uh one of the great mysteries of this story is uh how the real world and this silver age inspired world uh connect and that's something that the reader is going to have to figure out as they go through this this limited series here and uh you follow the the captivating monarch crier as he battles professor pilgrim and uh the Monarch Crier is, is this hero of New York City, and Professor Pilgrim is a super tech genius who has his own island uh, in the North Pacific. And uh, you watch their adventures and, and see how they battle each other. And, and you get and that portion of the story is all written in a style like you were reading a '60s or '70s comic. So it has the feel and the look and the tone and the. Excitement and all the exclamation marks that you could, you know, possibly want out of a Silver Age book, and then uh, you go into uh, the modern day setting, and you're going to be reading these two stories simultaneously. So when you get to the modern day setting, you're, so you're going to be reading, and then you're going to flip the page, and you're going to be in the modern day, and then you're going to be reading that story, and you're going to flip the page, and you'll be in the Silver Age, and um, and the modern age story follows Rufus Boston, who is this super ultra comic book nerd who loves comics. He goes to the comic book store every week. He hangs out with his friends. They're going to the the new blockbuster summer movie. And uh, it's looking at the trajectory and the history of the medium and how far we've come and how much things have changed over the years and how much the medium has grown and become more respected and better as the years have gone on. So you're getting this push and pull and this back and forth and seeing um, fantasy being bridged with reality and and the dream being bridged with the dreamer. So it's really uh, embracing what the medium has done for people. And then going back to how that all started with Stanley and with the way heroes were kind of reconstructed and how they've uh, evolved and grown over the years. Well, to that point, Pete and I were talking about this a little
0: bit beforehand, but there's been a reevaluation of certain parts of Stan Lee's legacy uh, over yeah. the past couple of years. Is that anything that impacted the project or at least the way you tackled it? Or did you feel like that didn't enter the equation?
3: No, it, it actually does. There's actually a conversation in the very first issue uh, where uh, Rufus, the main character in the modern day storyline, uh, there. so in in, in this Uh, world in his world there is a uh their version of stanley like this this comic creator who had passed away and him and his friends are talking about him and there's this one one guy that comes in the conversation and he is one of those guys that would say you know stanley was just a thief or or this character is just a thief and he actually didn't create those characters and so you're actually getting that back and forth and you're you're seeing both of those perspectives being told through character. So I really wanted to look at it in a very honest and sincere way with Stanley's life. And I didn't want to be biased, but I, after all the research I did and looking at at it as objectively as possible with the information I was given, I tried to be really honest with it, but at the same time... uh, give it enough back and forth to where it's up to the reader to come to their own conclusion and up to these characters to come up with their own conclusion of who this, this creator was. Hmm. So Pete, I was just going to
2: say, I really, um, the Kickstarter page and like video, we've seen a ton of them. I really appreciate all the time that you took to kind of explain like, where the idea came from and what's going on. A lot of times when you see a Kickstarter, it's like, Hey, there's some fighting sometimes, please give, give yeah. me money. And you're like, all right, you know, but uh, it's great I mean, to I'd kind give of that money. I'm just saying. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we <laughs> both would definitely, but I just think it's, uh, it's great. The depth that you go into, uh, it really kind of like opens up to let us see you a little bit in the, in the kind of uh, yeah. in the, how it was made, which I appreciate.
0: Uh, we have a, a question over here on YouTube. This is from Ramsey Hassan says, I wonder if Kirby or Ditko are in this comic. Is that anything you address, particularly because there's questions about who is the main creator, who is the co-creator on these right. sort of things?
3: Um I will say uh I don't necessarily uh show them but but we talk about them and and we have characters that use like pseudonyms for for those names uh just to avoid any legalities or whatever but you you'll read you'll you'll be reading these conversations and you'll know who the the characters are talking about Got it. Cool. All right that
0: that seems fair. That seems good. you am yeah. a little vague there, but I appreciate it. Uh, this is a mini-series. You're launching the first issue on Kickstarter. Is the plan to have it ongoing from there? Or are you going to launch each issue individually on the Kickstarter, or how, how is that going to work?
3: Yeah, I'm uh, I'm planning on launching each issue individually on Kickstarter. Um, you know, I, I do want to take the first issue uh, you know, possibly two different indie publishers, if they like it, you know, if they want to pick it up, if they want to talk about it more or something, I always, uh, really love sharing my work with, you know, anyone I can. And, and, uh, I've been really my, my, my whole, uh, uh idea for what I want to do is, you know, have enough books under my belt to bring to editors and to bring to other people and, and show them my work and what I've done and what I've created. But, uh, I'm uh, I'm actually writing the final issue of Manchild right now. So, um oh, cool. I've I've uh, invested so much time and I've been been working on the series for for a while. So if if there is anyone that's that's going, "Oh man, like is this actually going anywhere?" you know, cuz sometimes <laughs> you'll you'll see those kickstarters where it's like, "Oh, it's the first issue," but like has the writer, creator actually thought about where they're going to take the story and um yeah i'm i'm writing the final issue right now so issues two three four and five um are completely done and ready to go and uh it's been something that i this has been the most excited thing that i've written that, that oh, i'm excited to talk about and promote so it uh, I, and i can tell just from uh the amount of writing that i've been doing over the years is how much better everything has gotten and how much better of a writer that i've become. So it, it's a, this series really means a lot to me. I really got to explore and rediscover my childhood and, and, and wow. superheroes and looking at the medium itself. And it's been a rejuvenation in a lot of ways. Awesome. Well, that's awesome. Uh, Nandor, congrats on the book. Good luck
0: with the Kickstarter. You're about to get that vaunted comic book club bump. That comes <laughs> <your same> time. <laughs> uh, but Thank appreciate so it. Much. Good luck. And uh, we'll have to have you back on when if and when the second issue comes out. So talk soon.
3: Yeah, I would love to. Yeah. Thank you guys so much. All right. All right. Have a good Take night.
0: All right. Once again, that is Nandor Fox Schaefer. The book is called Manchild, and it is on Kickstarter for the next yeah. 21 days or so. If you're listening to this later, it's less than that, but you still have plenty of time. Let's bring our second guest here into the stream. He is one of the hosts of the comic pop podcast and show sal curvelli welcome, hey, welcome back good to see you again how are you doing
4: i'm doing great guys thanks so much for having me back on the show Oh my uh, gosh.
0: Yeah. I mentioned this when we were doing a t- quick tech check. I'm embarrassed about our camera quality. Your camera quality is much better. I, I
4: was myself, which is why I got a new one. This is very <laughs> much like a new camera. It's a whole new uh, setup, so don't don't be... Don't looking be, don't good, So uh, Looking good. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> and so
0: are the both of you. I think uh, oh,
4: it's, just, oh, it's just great to old see thing. you again. Yeah. <laughs> well,
0: so let's talk about this. This is a very inside baseball, but what has... We haven't talked to you since uh, years at this point, yeah. but we yeah. had you last live on stage. Yeah. Uh, there hasn't been a lot of live on stage lately, Sal. I'm not sure if you're aware of that, but no, what has... Uh... <laughs> what has managing through the pandemic and managing the Comic Pop channel been like for you?
4: Uh, I hesitate to say that it's been great because it sounds like... Ghoulish, mm-hmm. but it was pretty great. Um, like we did very well, <laughs> like, <laughs> all right, people were trapped indoors, and yeah, they and were You watching... developed
0: the Moderna vaccine, right? So that's been, no, it's like me. Very... yeah, no, yeah. So well, I'm, it's been very I'm a profitable there,
4: which is
2: why I have yeah. the new camera set up. Oh, okay, that's uh, yeah, yeah, obviously explains the new camera,
4: that's right. But uh, no, uh, genuinely, we uh, we. We found because I had already made the decision to do this full time. I was already inside, and I was already making these <laughs> shows, and we'd already kind of been making live shows. So I just kind of just kept doing it, and just kept being consistently available, and um, and 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 people came, and uh, and and they were happy, you know, to talk about anything else, uh, <laughs> as was I, and so we were able to to make it work, and uh, we saw a little we saw a little bit of a bump uh, as a result of people kind of being trapped indoors and not having much else to do especially mm-hmm. given uh, even like our audience who reads comics couldn't read them because <laughs> they weren't available like they weren't distributing yeah. them and they weren't making them so it was just kind of like well what the hell are we going to talk about and i'm like well i'll tell you what we're going to talk about <laughs> comics that came out 25 years ago
0: <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> but, i yeah. was Ooh. I was re-uploading some of our old episodes about a month ago because we switched servers. Again, this is very inside baseball, but this is relevant to what you were saying because I was looking back through the episode descriptions from the beginning of the pandemic where we were doing the same thing. We were like, there's no comics. We're going to talk about trades that came out a while ago. And you can see just things getting steadily more and more insane and crazy as you go through time through the episode descriptions. But we're through that at least we have new comics coming out all the time, even though the distribution has changed. How, if all has that affected your show based on the fact that now comics are coming out all the time,
4: right? Uh, I've always cherry picked my books. Uh, I, I know there are a lot of uh, comic review shows. Uh, one of them being our show off the rack, where we talk about the newest books that came out. But we don't talk about every book. We just talk about the ones we read or the ones that we kind of want to talk about. And so cherry picking them has always been a thing for me. And so I've never really deviated from that system. So as a result, uh, it's just had we've we've had a wider pool, but we still kind of limit it to the ten the same ten or fifteen um, number. It's just sometimes mm-hmm. those books will shift. You know, like, I wasn't really reading Daredevil until Zadarsky took over. And then it's like, oh, well, Daredevil's on my pull list now. We're talking <laughs> about that uh, and, and other things. Actually, I, I owe you guys a debt of gratitude because my wife had been telling me how awesome Daniel Warren Johnson was forever. And I was like, right on. Like, it's one of those one of those indie books that she likes so much because she's like a, she's big into the indie scene and the vertigo wow. scene and stuff like that and i'm more of a spider-man batman nerd and uh and she was always like man this danny warren johnson guy and uh pete was always talking about murder falcon that's right and uh <laughs> you dropped it on the show that i was on where i was on the stage and he's just like murder falcon and i'm like is this like a like a meme like is he just <laughs> saying two words that don't work together <laughs> and then i picked up wonder woman dead earth and, ah, oh my god, and it yeah. opened up my world. And, Welcome uh, to the world, exactly. And dude just kills it. But uh, that kind of came about during like my respect for and awareness of D dubs was. As a result of the pandemic, but also because of your endorsement, I was like, "Oh, this is the guy they were talking about—that Murder Falcon." That Murder Falcon, I uh, Murder
2: Falcon guy.
4: I, I mean, Pete is shirt.
0: basically like a Pokemon, except instead of saying his own name, he just it's says just Murder, Murder Falcon over and
4: over again. But wait, have
0: you gone back and read that? Then I assume you've read Beta Ray Bill. Did oh, you read God. Murder Falcon as well?
4: Uh, I did not. I, I've I read the first couple of issues of Myrtle Falcon. You, I'm like, I, all right, like I, I see because he loves wrestling and
5: he's all you like, had
2: like, Pete and then you lost it. No, I'm sorry.
5: Well,
4: you know, okay. you, I can't love
2: everything. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I, I, but if yeah. there's a lot of twists and turns coming in that okay. Murder Falcon book if you just roll with it. <laughs> I will I will roll with you're it. think you like, oh okay, I got to understand what's happening, but like, oh. Yeah. The, oh.
4: Listen, he's he's earned any benefit of the doubt. Uh, you, yeah, and, you, as if you, you guys, So right. I'm happy to take your endorsement and I'll I'll I'll, I'll listen to it. Cuz uh yeah, I I'm, I'm more into, you know, I don't know. His his other stuff, like I love. Sure. He, he sent me a uh, like the mini graphic, like the little thing he did of uh, of, of Luke. Like he did like a Star oh, yeah, Wars yeah. book, and that I'm like, oh, do a Star Wars book, do an Alien book, uh, but instead, you Ooh, know, at least we got Ble- Beta Bill, yeah. yeah,
2: yeah, amazing, so I dope. Mean, it, uh, like and uh, <laughs> just the relationship with the sh- uh, the ship, and everything, oh, I know, it was just so you know,
4: so sad. Yeah. I was like, oh God, when Scuttlebutt became a sentient, yeah, like you know, Metropolis meets uh heavy metal you know sexy lady i was like is
0: beta real bill gonna bang his ship are we gonna see that in this book i was honestly uh disappointed that we didn't like i I I thought that's where everything was heading right i was a little bummed out
4: or or maybe scourge and scuttlebutt get together but Mm -hmm. like neither instead she's just a shoulder to cry on which like you know no 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 complaints you get an epic surter fight you got some you got some hook references I'm selling Ray bill like I have stopped. Listen, it. maybe it I'm
0: in the minority here, but I thought the ship was sexy before it was already, right. Honestly, that,
4: that may be yeah. a, a more of a niche. You know, yeah, it's just yeah. maybe, But she's a gateway now for everybody. Like now, it's uh, like, oh, now you can appreciate how sexy Scuttlebutt has always been.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, we have a question happened. here on YouTube. I believe this is for you, Sal. I would love to hear you guys talk about. Oh, this is for both of us. Uh, I would love to hear you guys talk about how both CBC and Sal with Benny have moved into movie TV, and is it super? Comics in relevance.
5: Ooh. I
4: mean, what do you guys think? I'm, I'm interested to hear your opinion. <laughs> Pete.
2: I, I, well, you know, I I really think you got to kind of bow down to the comics. I mean, this is where uh, everything is, is sprouting from. So, uh, you know, don't kind of put the horse uh, or the cart in front of the horse. There,
4: yeah.
0: Uh, I I don't know. Pete's gonna yell at me for this. I think the thing is. For our show and for our lives and for my life, I'll always come back to comic books. That's the original thing, like Pete says, I fell in love with. But yes, of course, TV and movies have superseded in terms of pop culture. We, we've been doing a spit-off podcast, a Marvel podcast called Marvel Vision, and something that we argue about all the time. Pete and I are very much on the opposite end of the spectrum about this. But I believe very strongly that there are people who are MCU fans. Period. Yeah. And that's it. You yeah, know, they, they do not they, want
4: to read comics. They're just that like, was, I love these characters. And that's that.
0: Exactly. Yeah. And that was a very weird adjustment for me to make when these movies started to come out, that people were like, oh my God, I love Iron Man. Iron Man's so cool. Iron Man's the best character. And it took me a while, honestly, watching those movies to come around to that because I liked Robert Johnny Jr., but I was sort of stuck in, no, Iron Man's like a C-list character. What are you talking about? Yeah. This is not anything anybody actually cares about. <laughs> and... Of course they do, and they care about Iron Man more than a lot of the other characters. So you have to recognize that as well, and also, just based on the MCU alone, that's been over a decade now, so that has its own history behind it.
4: Absolutely. I mean, just generally speaking, I feel like, to answer that question, movies have always been bigger than comic books. I love comic books. They're my first love, and I also love movies, and I love the cinema and, and, and film itself, but like you know, it's apples and oranges. Cinema has always had a, a bigger yoke around the neck of society and culture. And comics are just like, we're just happy to tag along. And I, I hate that. And I don't believe in it. Like I, here, here's a name I'm going to drop. Uh, I was talking to Tom King the other day and uh, <laughs> oh, well, 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 But uh, right. we were talking. How's it was... feels
2: Alps? How's it feel when someone does it to you? <laughs> right. That'll exactly. Great. I'm very happy for you.
4: But uh, he, he was like, I would, he's like, I wish he's like, I would, I would love to have, uh, an Academy Award. And I was like, I would rather have an Eisner. And he's like, you are lying. <laughs> 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 and I'm like, you have at least one. Like, come on, man. And he's like, yeah, I mean, you know, but like, yeah,
2: but the Academy I agree won. with you though. I'd rather have an Eisner.
4: Right. Cause like the, 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 the Academy Award, like, I mean, you know, it's funny. I thought that. And then, I went to that museum in Queens, in Astoria, for where, where they have the Muppets and stuff.
2: Yeah, yeah, the television museum. Yeah, yes,
4: yeah. which, by the way, dope. Been there uh, twice. It's awesome. So cool. should go. Yeah. Uh, but they have a Kubrick exhibit, and his Oscar is there. And... I've never been that close to an Academy Award before, and I legitimately had, like, not like a panic attack, but I, like, had emotion <laughs> wow. around it. I'm like, wow. it's just a stupid statue. Like, lives have been ruined over this dumbass. And I'm like, mm-hmm. but I'm like,
1: oh, my God, I've never
4: been this close to an Academy Award. So I guess I get what he's talking about, you know, but that's the power of cinema and how much bigger it is, you know? but like,
0: Well, and here's the other, I think, sad truth about that in particular, about Eisner versus Academy Award yeah. is... They both recognize achievement, and that's great. And this is not the be-all, end-all, but an Eisner is not necessarily going to lead to more jobs and opportunities. Uh, an Academy Award almost absolutely will.
4: Yeah, it's unless it's Crash, it's a guarantee. <laughs> sure, that, you know, exactly. Uh, uh, yeah,
0: I mean, there's always going to be exceptions even with an Academy Award, but at the same time, particularly like let's say you're a small-time filmmaker who got their first break, you get an Academy Award, you're going to get a lot more meetings and then it's up to you to screw it
4: up. Exactly. With an Eisner,
0: it's going to go, like there are, that is more the exception than the rule. I think you got to be like somebody that nobody knows, you get an Eisner and suddenly you get a meeting where you're able to do something that's going to bring you a little bit more money, but mostly it's, yes, we already know you, congratulations, you're getting this award, (laughs) you did a really good job this year. We saw you at the dinner. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly.
4: (laughs) Yeah, it's my well, that's, and that's the thing. It's just so much more insular and uh, and 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 small. So, you know, it's just the nature of the beach beast, unfortunately. But, uh, we got
0: another question over here. This is from Scott Carpenter. It says since both Comic Book Club and Comic Pop have patreons, thoughts on Substack pros and cons.
4: I thought about asking you guys about this because yeah, I've been, I've been yelling about it for two full days.
0: So wow. Well, and let's give a little bit of background yeah, because I think everybody is a little confused about what's going on with Substack. Sure. And feel free to chime in on anything that I miss. But Substack essentially is a blogging platform that is hoping to become something more. To me, it strikes me a lot like Medium was a couple of years ago, the same sort of thing. Um, but they've made a lot of push initially with journalists and other experts to bring them on to have them make newsletters uh, and things like that. And now the next thing that they're moving into is to is comic books. And the person leading that charge is Nick Spencer, who has brought on board a lot of different comic book creators, writers, and artists to try to create their own newsletters, their own verticals, their own blogs, their own whatever have you. Uh, And he has gotten some really good name creators to do it. Scott Snyder is doing classes through his substack. Jonathan Hickman is working with a bunch of artists and creators to... It's unclear because it's Hickman, but it's essentially creating this massive multi-tier world right. that they're going to jam on and open up the process of so people what see it is, yep. uh, and the biggest one though, or at least the biggest one in terms of moves, is James the IV, who said in an article in the New York Times that he had two contracts in front of him, re-upping with DC or going to Substack. He could not do both because of time. He decided to go to Substack, and the reason is if he goes to Substack, he completely owns all his work, the first year, they take most of the money from subscriptions. After that, I believe they take 10%, yep. and that's the deal. So I, I believe his hope there, and a lot of the creators' hopes, is they're doing 100% creator-owned things that then they potentially can sell to other mediums. So th- right. that's the backstory there. Sal, if you've been yelling about this for two years, uh, what's your take?
4: Uh, I th- I mean, on one hand, I think that uh, it's... Okay, so this is a long way to say this, but like it seems that... There is like a system to making extra money because you don't get into the comic book industry to make money, but you still need to get paid and have health insurance. So how do you do that? And you come up with different creative ways of doing that. For James Time the Fourth, it is creating a thousand new Batman characters so that one of them yeah. will end up in Gotham or some other TV show. Yeah. It's the nature of the beast. Bendis is a pioneer at it. So I get it. Like I get the idea of like that's what I do. I create new characters. Those characters show up in shows. I get residuals and I get residuals forever. End of story. I get better pay through TV than I do in movies. Plus, uh, I can then maybe get a foot in the door in the TV and movie industry. Um, if this... Because... Substack I don't think is going to succeed because no. I think it's new. I think it got a lot of seed money. I think that anytime anybody tries to profit off of the comic book industry, I feel like they are asking yeah, yeah, yeah. For, a, for a hard time, uh, especially on off the back of it. And this is one of those things where they were like, well, we want to get into this. Like, We're a newsletter distribution system. We're Patreon, but for bloggers, like you said. And it's like, that's not sustainable, and you know they gotta, they gotta. What I want to, I think it was sixty-five million dollars seed money from like some investment group, and I feel like the only way that you can get James Town the Fourth to stop writing Batman after a juicy three-year contract is if you're offering an obscene amount of money, and it's the same with Hickman, it's the same with Scotty Young, uh, and I'm sure more creators will fall uh, or follow. Yeah. And I feel like, on one hand, good for them. You know, because, like, get that cheddar, right? Pay yourself. Right. And if it keeps you from making, like, from bloating universes with characters that don't matter, then even better. But, like, that that contract will never come again. Like, that opportunity to get, like, this huge cash advance and the opportunity to circumvent the usual route of making TV shows by, like, parlaying your comic book superhero career into an independent creator career and then taking that independent work and then having it adapted into TV and movies and hopefully get your foot in the door that way. If instead you can just be paid to make the indie book without having to make any deals with any independent publishers and then get the eyeballs on it plus the money on it and then still end up doing that anyway but you don't have to do anything besides just purely create and you own it all I mean why wouldn't you do that? Right. Yeah. But it's also unsustainable I just don't think it's like, I think I think we're going to be talking about this in six months being like <laughs> man, six people got a lot of money To not have to to write Batman for six months. Like, that's how
0: I feel about it. Well, I'll tell you what. We were going to wait until we were done chatting with you, Sal, to bring him in. Uh, But our other guest, Kyle Higgins, is here. And he was uh, chatting about it a little bit in the comments. So I'm going to bring him here into the stream. Hopefully that'll work okay. Because I'm sure he has some expert input on he this would, sort of yeah. thing um that said while you're chatting I, I agree with you i think i'm all for creativity i think the more places people can put their creativity the better you know fingers crossed substack succeeds the same right. way that people are like twitter was bad back in the day <laughs> maybe it'll turn out to be good but we'll see what happens kyle
5: welcome hello how are you sorry we confused you with oh no worries on. uh my apologies i i got the link from cat and then i I've just been here. <laughs> so oh, okay. I guess it didn't, it didn't, it logged me in, but it didn't log me in. I'm not really sure. Uh, it's awesome. Um,
0: yes, but, welcome. Uh, so, yeah, uh, just to give everybody a background, uh, Kyle Higgins, amazing writer, uh, working on Ordinary Gods over at Image Comics, as well as Radiant Black, which is awesome and we love yeah, we on will. the show. Well, uh, but I figured normally we would have waited until Sal was off and then we bring you in chat, but we're talking about the Substack thing anyway,
5: and I'm sure you have some input on it. So, sure. uh, what's your take? Well, um, no, Sal's on point for a lot of it. Um, From a creator's perspective, well, a few things. The one one point I would push back on is James's intention behind creating original characters. Um, The the reality of that situation is that we don't make money on those characters. We just don't. Under Paul Levitz, there used to be thank you checks that went out. Ah. Um, DC still does do... Um, thank yous. Basically, when you raise, when you bring to them, like to their attention, like, hey, I have a character. Like, actually, they're really they're still cool about it. Not not to the extent Paul was, but um, they're still cool about it. In that, like, I found out that some of my stuff influenced some episodes of Gotham five years after it aired, and I reached right. out to DC, and they were like, oh yeah, send us the stuff. I did, and they paid me a little bit of money as a thank you. Okay. The rea- the reality is those checks, those checks. Like those checks are not paying your rent. No, no, that's right. So, creating new characters in a lot of ways, um, just like to get on a soapbox for half a second, James is doing something fantastic for Batman fans and Batman readers because James has no incentive to create new characters. Creating new characters that he doesn't own. I'm sitting here next to a helmet for Lord Draken and action figures for Lord Draken and Ranger Slayer. I get that much money for them Hmm. there's no incentive to create new characters for existing ip other than because it's the right thing to do for the story Hmm. so that's the one point i would push back on on. um beyond that though as far as what substack is offering you know and i'm not i don't have a a a deal or relationship with them at this point or anything but from a you know something you mentioned as far as like profiting on on the back of comics it it's interesting because I know where you're coming from with that. Um, I think it's actually a little bit different though. They're trying to grow their audience. And, and the fact is they are not interested in owning any portion of the intellectual property. If they were looking to profit off comics, they would be positioning themselves at, as at least co-owners of the IP with business control So that they could turn around and try to go sell a show or a streaming show or a movie. Right. And the number of creators, the number of friends that I have who have books at publishers with deals that um, aren't great uh, is significant. And and that's the thing. Outside of Image, there really is no other truly creator-owned environment. I agree with you there. And it, but but it, mm-hmm. I don't mean to interrupt. I'm
4: sorry. If you no, me, no, 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 go for it. Yeah, yeah. But uh, but in, in, in that respect, my point is not necessarily that Substack's trying to break into the comic book industry, it's more mm-hmm. that Substack is looking for the audiences that James well, sure. and 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 Jonathan are bringing in. And the idea is that they're able to give these kind of sweetheart deals. And I'm only assuming because I don't have the details of these contracts, but the fact mm-hmm. is we've seen that they don't own, like you said, they're not they don't own the property, they don't own the IP. Whereas we don't know six months to a year down the line if mm-hmm. they will change that contract, but the but just looking at it from the perspective of now, if you say we're bringing you in, you right. get to keep everything, you make whatever you want. We're just we just want to see the pure exploration of creation, and it's like yeah, that's true, but really what you're pro- what you're what you're trying to do is you're going to get these these people who follow you. You know, it's mm-hmm. just like when you go from a, a a large character at a big two company and then go to the independent. Like market, you're bringing mm-hmm. that audience with you, and you're trying to. Well, you them, hope to. Well, oh, that's the thing. But, is that you hope to. And Substack yeah. is paying, I think, to buy access to that audience, and that's what I. That's what I mean when I'm saying like profiting off the backs of the comic book industry. It's more just like, well, that's an industry that I'm trying to get bodies from, so that well, we can I, inflate I our more numbers. Than
0: anything, Substack, Sal, but not to interrupt you. No, but no, no, please, I think please. more than anything, what I get from it, from what I get from an audience perspective, is and I think I'm agreeing with you here, is what they're doing is they're doing advertising for Substack, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but I think that's ultimately what it comes down to, is they have a very fractured platform right now that's based on these individual personalities. They're not necessarily, as far as I can tell, building it out as like substack.com slash comics, like creating a comics hub, but they're essentially implying, like, if you want really creative comics, if you're interested in comics content, come here. But to the point you're making, the thing that I worry about is I don't think it's a negative for people like James who get to create these things, have these IP that they're creating, talking about it in a very callous business way, that they own, that they could spin out into other things, that they could bring to another place eventually. But I don't know necessarily if it's the sort of thing where, like, you're going to get James's audience, maybe you'll get some of Scott Snyder's audience over there. But you're not necessarily building a new comics audience that's going to bring in there. It's a smaller comics audience than you already have. At See, least that's I, my I, concern. Yeah.
5: I would counter argue that. And the counter argument is that the reach that you get in digital compared to the direct market is far harder to quantify. Um, Comixology, for example, is, um, you know, the digital side of of a creator-owned book is a drop in the bucket compared to the direct market and brick and mortar. And the brick and mortar are the lifeblood of our industry in the traditional sense. what you see with things like Webtoon, I think, actually probably demonstrate how far-reaching a digital, a a, a a designed to be digital presence can can be, and how far-reaching that audience can can go beyond what you would traditionally expect as far as what you know the comic book audience is. And the other thing too is like, <clears throat> I think what what we're, what you're talking about a little bit there as far as like a smaller and smaller audience, like you know, Twitter, for example, is. A, not a good representation of uh, anything in the world, um, <laughs> but it's also not a good representation of um, the comic spying yeah. uh, community. I mean, it, it, is, it is, it's a microcosm in some ways, but in other ways, it's not. And it is, there's a lot of discourse that happens there uh, within the comic book industry. And a whole lot of creators, myself included, have actively been looking for ways to take the discourse out, to, away from Twitter. Yeah, because it's just not it's not a place that I want to be um, personally. Um, And it's also it's not in the traditional way that you sell books. It's not really that effective. Um, A lot of creators think that marketing is noise on social media, and it's not. It's just that it's noise Um, marketing in in the real sense is marketing to retailers. It's marketing to um, specifically to buyers. Um, and in the, in the traditional model, it's very hard to do that across social media because with the exception of like something we're doing on Radiant Black and Ordinary Gods, in, in that we're building a site with a dedicated URL that you can, you can find the book through not only your local shop, but here's a direct purchase option through my hometown store called Naple that supported me my whole career, you know, and they will wow. ship it to your door. Here's one link that you can go to to buy our book. That's awesome. That's, that's, yeah, hard. that's great. Thanks. That's hard to do yeah. within the traditional direct market model. So in some ways there there are limitations there as far as like how big an audience uh, in the direct market can actually grow. I, I do think there is very much a ceiling on that in, sure. in some ways, but I, I don't know, like from a, from a sub stack model, like I don't know what the money is, but it is absolutely paying to play as far as trying to give a platform to um you know a side of the of an industry anyway that was looking for a new platform and they were just looking for a reason to move right you know so well,
0: let, let me ask you a question and this is not entirely fair because as you mentioned you don't have a substack deal or anything like that mm-hmm. but what potentially is the difference creatively for or for the creator between say moving something and doing your own projects
5: in substack versus what you're doing which is on image comics
0: mm-hmm.
5: well it's a couple things um Image is a situation where it's an advance. So any if if you negotiate an advance for your book, um, it is it is that it is paid when you finish an issue, um, but it is counted against your royalties because it's truly creator-owned. So the cat and mouse game is even if you could get if you could get a big enough advance. Uh, sorry, let me let me rewind a second the real the real thing what it comes down to at the end of the day more than anything else and i guarantee you i would i would stake my career on it that if you asked 10 comic book writers doing deals at substack what what the number one thing they were most excited about is and this is me having not talked to anybody i guarantee you that if not the first then the second thing they would say is being able to pay an artist yeah wow doing a creator owned wow. book with talented artists, talented collaborators, talented co-creators. It's very hard because when, when you think about it, like gun to my head, I could write a script in two to three days. Okay. It's not fun. It's not going to be my best work. I can do it. Okay. Yeah. Or also at least have a, a plot. Gun to your head, is, well, yeah, there is that, but, but an artist, an artist is going to take five weeks to draw a book. Right. If they race, they could do it in three. It's not going to be pretty. That is still a significant amount of time. And that's 12 to 14 hours at a board minimum, right? So what Marvel and DC pay as far as page rates is incredibly small in the grand scheme of the entertainment industry, but it's incredibly high in the comic book industry. So when you position yourself to go do a creator-owned book, and you want to work say you have an artist that you you did do a bunch of work with at dc whose stuff is amazing who you love working with and then you move over and try to go do a creator-owned book well that artist still needs they need to eat they yeah. you know they need to pay their mortgage and the hours behind the board are not going to get shorter just because you own the own the property right yeah. so all of a sudden if you're negotiating in advance the advance might be significantly higher than the book can probably afford because if it's not starring Batman, it's probably going to sell less than Batman. (laughs) Yeah. So then you get into this situation of like, who's taking a haircut? You know, how much are you going into debt to build out this book? How much as a writer are you financing? If you're financing at all yourself. So the idea that like, Hey, you can make a competitive page rate, not kill yourself, own the IP. And and we can start right now. Like, I mean, artists, um, if if the deal's fair and literally what I just said, those three these things, those three things, then it's like you're gonna have anyone doing a book like that is gonna have their pick.
4: Oh yeah, and that's not the, that's not to, to to necessarily crap on the idea of the Substack. It's more that that I don't blame any creator for taking the Substack deal. Because, mm-hmm. number one, they get to make whatever they want in a vacuum for whatever they want. Scott talks about it when he talks about uh, working on those like nine books that he's pu- pushing through uh, mm-hmm. Best Jacket, where he's like, we get to work with Greg Capullo again. And it's like, mm-hmm. a layman might assume that, like, well, why don't you work with him all the time? And it's like, because Greg Capullo has a page rate that is competitively on the top or echelon, and the idea is, if you give him that job, he has to take away a job. And that job is Gonna pay Greg Capullo rate, so you gotta you gotta match that rate. Um, so I don't I don't blame any creator for going to Substack, but I'm also not gonna pretend that Substack is the wave of the future or that it's gonna last a long time. I think that this is just this is a great opportunity for a mm-hmm. handful of very large name creators to get their check, which is good for them, but also like let's not pretend that it's something new or that we've never but, seen this before. But
5: where is that money going?
4: It's going into the project that they're creating for their audience, which okay, it, it then, is great, then, good for them. then
5: then maybe it's not out there yet. So I, it, maybe it's not my, it's not my place to speak on this, but, um, uh, do, do not be surprised if you start seeing books and projects that are curated and financed as part of these deals. Right. Mm. And because that's, I, I know Scott and James really, really well. Yeah. That's really important to them. Right. Yeah. So we've
4: well, talked on yeah.
5: I mean it makes sense to me, like, that they would want to make a project but, that yeah. No, 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 no. It's not it's not making a project. What I'm saying is as a part of their Substack deal, I would not be surprised mm-hmm. if part of that also includes like if James turns around and says, I really like this writer, I really like this idea, they're brand new, they've never mm-hmm. done something before. Okay. Let's do this through my Substack deal. I mean, it's what I'm doing as an wow. editor on wow. things like Inferno Girl Red and Self Made, and there are some other things that aren't announced yet. But essentially, what I've done over the years is I've started going out. Last Flight Out, the new Dark Horse book. Um, that that's a book that I put together, oh. and I put the art team together, and I edited the book for Mark, and then we walked it to Dark Horse. Um, so that facilitating of not only existing creators, in in the case of this one with Mark, mm-hmm. but new creators. I, I have five books right now with brand new creators that I'm serving as the editor on that I put together. Okay. okay. You know, it'd be great. You know, it'd be great if someone was paying me as a part of an overall mm. deal so <laughs> I could actually pay for those myself to have so that they can be made And that these creators suddenly have a larger platform to tell their stories on. Yeah.
0: I I think just to jump off of what Sal was saying a little bit, I think the Mm -hmm. trepidation from comic book fans that we're talking around here is, what does this mean long term? What does this mean two or three, five years down the road? Yeah. But based on what we're talking about, and specifically what you're talking about, Kyle, it strikes me that this is a little bit more part of... What has been going on in the comics ecosystem anyway, going all the way back to when Kickstarter first launched and creators suddenly realized, oh, wait, I could do this myself. And then maybe later on, bring it to a dark horse, bring it to an image comic books, have somebody do the print version. But I can have control of it initially. So maybe what people need to stop worrying about is, oh, no, James Tynan is leaving Batman, which... Fine, that's right? Totally. No, that's not. He's concern, doing a great yeah. job, but it's okay. <laughs> uh, but this is a step. This is another thing that is happening in addition to everything else. It's not taking away
5: from anything, right? Potentially. Uh, I think it'll oh, be. Uh, no, I was just going to say. I, I think it'll be interesting to see where print editions of these books land, um, if anywhere. You know, and, and some creators, it, it's going to be a priority for them to make sure that these exist in print. Uh, in a print version for the direct market. Um, Other creators may not be as, that may not be as important to them. Um, But the good news is that when creators own what they create, um, at the end of the day, you're probably going to get cooler stuff as a result of it. And it's probably not going to disappear or ever go out of print. Like that's something (laughs) that we as creators are like pretty obsessed, you know, like we we, we very much, um, it kills us when our stuff is hard to find. Yeah. You know, we're, we're, we're way too insecure slash narcissistic to, to, find to, your work on the o- to, to, to just be okay with like, well, I guess, I guess it's just never going to be out there again. Right. Like, oh. So even if two to three years, even if six months from now, for example, the money isn't there anymore. And like you say, like, who the hell knows? Like. Even if that's the here. case, like if we get some cool stuff out of it, like no harm, no foul, yeah,
4: yeah, in my opinion, anyway, yeah, that's a fascinating point. I don't mean to, I'm sorry, we kind of, yeah. I was like, <laughs> that's kind of became an old thing, but uh, but I love that, uh, I love that idea that kind of dovetailing into like a studio kind of situation where mm-hmm. it's like, it's not going to be, it, it, theoretically speaking, it could be. It's not that you're paying $7 a month to get the new James Tynan book. It's more you're paying $7 a month to fund James Tynan Studios.
0: And they produce a number of works underneath it. Well, and this started off with a question about how is it like Patreon or not? Right. Think, <laughs> so there you go. We we came around to the thing that we started half an we hour did, ago. We did. Indeed. Uh, I did. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kyle, this is a question for you from YouTube. This is mm-hmm. from How long can you make a name? Kyle, mm-hmm. does the fact that mm-hmm. artists can
5: sell their original art make up for less upfront pay? Um. No. Okay. No. And if and if you try to if you ever try to make that argument, like to an artist, like that's, that's not solid ground to try to stand on much less build a foundation on. Um, No, the thing is, this is an industry like not, not to sound cynical, but like, this is an industry that is like very exploitative. Like it. it, uh, Yeah. So artists being able to sell original art, like that's like the least that, should be happening um the fact that you know i mean just look into your, your previous guest who, who was talking about um jack kirby like i bet he would have a uh, a lot that he could weigh in on here as far as the fight to get original art back to artists in the first mm-hmm. place which went on for way 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 too long yeah um beyond that though here, here's um here's the bigger reality um the original art market is booming, and the number of artists who are drawing traditionally is not going up. Yeah, there are a lot of artists that draw digitally these days because the deadlines are brutal. Um, some artists find they have more control and and they they prefer they just there are things they can't do traditionally that they're able to do digitally. Um, other artists do it for speed um, or convenience. But what that means is that there's no original to sell, and selling an AP, an artist proof, or an artist print, um, it's it's just not the same. It's not the same at all.
0: Yeah. Uh, here's one other one for you. This is from Scott Carpenter. Wondering mm-hmm. if the wondering if the Kickstarter module might be best. Did Kyle get a fair share of Power Rangers on Kickstarter because those collections got a ton of money?
5: No, um, you know what? I didn't know they were doing a Kickstarter. Um, and on top of that, uh, I expect I won't see a dollar from that wow.
0: Wow. Wow. I'm sorry. there's a
5: there I did see that there was when it first launched I checked it out because there was a paragraph in there that said um, don't worry the creators have all been paid you know they were paid for their work and they'll get they'll get industry industry standard royalties on these and you know I had my lawyer reach out and say so what exactly does that what does that mean because right. We don't know. And, you know, um, I've never actually been paid royalties on the hardcovers. I've been paid two discretionary bonuses at one point or I guess two different times, but very, very small, very small amount of money. So um, as far as I'm concerned, um, yeah, I won't be seeing a dime on, uh, on those hardcovers. But, you know, at the end of the day, I signed the contract I signed. and I knew it. It was a work for hire deal. It's comics. And. The thing about the Power Rangers stuff that people may not <clears throat> realize is that as a licensed comic, not only is Boom... Well, I, sh- I don't know what Boom's deal is, so I shouldn't say that. But what I do know is that everything that is created in those comics is owned by, well, now Hasbro. Hmm. So it's not only work for hire for the publisher. What the publisher is doing is is kind of like it's licensing. So it's it's a licensing deal. So it's technically all owned then by the licensor
0: hmm
5: yeah no. that's wild
0: i'm sorry to hear that uh this is from breakfast of Champions. says let's get some hype going for an infernal girl red versus radiant black crossover oh. we're gonna see that
5: sorry um, what was it i saw oh. i was distracted by <laughs> a comment in the someone someone in the comments said unionized there's a writer's union in hollywood that's work for hire yes i am well aware i not only live in i live in west hollywood and I'm, and I'm a screenwriter as well um there have been many attempts over the years to unionize in the comics industry and it has not happened for a variety of reasons
0: mm-hmm. uh the slightly lighter question that was here or a slightly lighter <laughs> statement was let's get some hype going for an inferno girl red versus radiant black crossover
5: yeah wouldn't that be cool
0: Oh, I I like that. Uh, Dot, dot, (laughs) dot. (laughs) (laughs) Wouldn't that
5: be cool? Uh, That would be cool. Uh, Well, listen,
0: uh, Kyle, I want to keep you hanging on here because I do want to talk about your image books. (laughs) <laughs> the, the reason we brought you out in the first place. Sal, it was
4: so Sal, good to see so you. Sal, I'm so sorry.
5: I feel like I I feel like I jumped on your on your spot. No, I, I'm glad you did. It was a all. great
4: it was a great opportunity for us to chat. I, I don't think we've ever met, so it's nice to meet you, man. But, no, uh, it's <laughs> nice to meet you too. Can
5: Sal stay? Can we just like can we all just Yeah, sure, chat? Sal. You want to hang out?
0: If you guys don't mind.
4: Oh don't man, mind, totally uh, fine take,
5: with I'll me. Just the spot. Sal
0: hates indie books is the only problem. No, so. I do not hate indie books. said it earlier. He did say that. My wife
2: reads more of them than I do. All right. Well, <laughs> it's okay. Your wife's better than you are. It's no yeah, big it's deal. fine. It's not Happy a good idea. Happy to deal. admit that. <laughs> Let's talk about
0: Ordinary Gods, which just launched. The second issue is, I believe, coming out tomorrow from Image Comics, and this is such a super cool mashup of so many ideas. Uh, I I hesitate to even describe what the concept is because that's kind of a part of the twist, the big twist of the first <laughs> issue. But how do you how do you pitch this? What's the pitch line for this book?
5: Well, it's um I mean, I got to start with the generic comp, right? It's uh, it's this meets this, it's mm-hmm. this by way of this, it's this through the lens of that. Uh, but th- this is very much in the wheelhouse of like a um, it- it's like a kind of a cross between the Matrix and Highlander, and so it is this um, it-, it is this sci-fi fantasy series, but it it's really this this look at these five. Uh, immortals that are from a realm beyond our own, and are kind of all archetypes that we've come to know um, for a variety of reasons over the generations in popular fiction and literature, etc. And essentially, they have been imprisoned um, in order to get them out of this uh, this kind of forever war that's been going on amongst the more immortals. I mean, how do you make how do you make how do you gain ground in a war against an immortal when the immortal can just keep coming back, right? right. <laughs> or can be brought back. Um, And so someone realized, oh, hey, well, instead of, you know, killing immortals so they can just get brought back by their people and stuff, uh, what if we just imprison them somewhere? And so that prison uh, was a barren planet. Spoiler alert, it's here, Earth. (laughs) And the prison cells are life. And so these five being um, bound to Earth and trapped here for the last, you know, several hundreds of thousands of years... um, is what sparked life um, or a version of life anyway. And then over the generations, what you see here actually on, on the screen, this is uh, the front of the wraparound cover for issue one. These are all uh, different lives that our main character, Christopher, who's the split image, um, has an association with, I guess I, I would put it. And so we, our first cover, uh, this was, it was actually a really cool idea from Dan, uh, Dan Panosian and Declan Shalvey to do, to build this out this way. So it's actually a jam piece. Felipe Watanabe drew the main Christopher image. And then to the right, we have Dave Johnson drawing Joseph Stalin. Um, we've got um, uh, Nicola Scott drawing Queen Elizabeth I. And Declan doing the samurai leader, whose name I can never pronounce. And then on to the left of this, what we're not seeing here, um, we have, let's see if I remember this, we have Rod Reese doing Abraham Lincoln um, we have uh, Tula Lote doing uh, Cleopatra, and then we have Dan Panosian doing Eric the Red. Wow. That's awesome.
0: So when you're planning out characters like this that have lived so mm-hmm. long and lived so many lives, first of all, how how complicated is that? What is the map like on your <laughs> wall when you're keeping track of them? And then
5: how do you keep them consistent over the
0: different decades?
5: Well, the good news is that, um, you know, as, as I said, these are archetypes. So as far as keeping things in, as far as keeping things consistent, um, <laughs> in some ways, uh, it's a little easier because the personalities, um, even not the personalities, the, the lives that I'm choosing to reference are all kind of, there, there's a commonality that we are drawing between them, um, from an archetypal archetypal archetypical no archetypal (laughs) from an archetypal standpoint um but as far as the planning i mean i've been talking about this the more interviews we've done um like i've been working on this book for like 10 years wow wow. so i first this was like the first book i pitched image and like i pitched eric stevenson in like 2011 um and it was actually it was originally um, it was when I was doing Deathstroke for the New Fifty Two. So it was Joe Bennett, Art Taber, Jason Wright, and myself doing Deathstroke, and um, we we got fired after issue eight. And and the creative team, we were just having so much fun. It was like, oh my god! Like I even knew then it was my first. It was my second ongoing series, but only second in that like Nightwing had come out first, I think. Right. But mm-hmm. I was doing them at the same time. But even then, I could recognize like this is like a murderous row of like wow, like this is what it feels like to have like a well-oiled machine. And so I started trying to figure out like, okay, what's a, what's a, um, what's an original that, that we could build, that we could all do together and just played it playing to the strengths of Joe and, and his storytelling and what he liked drawing some of the action stuff and everything. And so that became, um, so I started, I just basically kind of developed this idea of, um, the, kind of the, the, the Immortal Warrior, kind of a new take on the on the reincarnated, immor- reincarnated immor- Immortal Warrior. Um, and then it didn't work out with Joe uh, and Art and Jason. And so I started building it for a different artist. And then that didn't work out and then built it for a different artist. And that didn't work out. And then built it with Felipe. And the thing kind of through all of that the, the constant was like, I can look back on it now. I can say like, I wasn't ready. Like, oh, wow. um, there were things in, in, you know, there were, there were certain things in, in, um, the art side of things where again, like the fits didn't work just logistically and everything timing wise. And whatnot. now there were, there were a couple art teams that, you know, we did an entire issue one, uh, with, with someone, uh, okay. and it's beautiful. Um, but the schedule didn't work to do it going forward, you know? Um, but there was also a big part of me that was like terrified. Like I'd built this idea and I was like, oh, I'm not, (laughs) I'm not good enough to write this. (laughs) Like, um, and, and it took doing a whole lot of books and, um, a lot of creator owned books. And honestly, something like Power Rangers, the big shattered grid event, it took me doing that to go, okay, I could
2: I think I could do this now.
1: <laughs>
0: what I really well, like about the oh go ahead. Were you gonna say something, Pete?
2: I was just gonna say, well, I'm I'm glad it kind of all came together because we read a ton of comics, but like the when the kind of idea snaps in, it's such a kind of like oh shit moment of like you realize the scope of what you're trying to do in this book. And the art comes together in the writing style and such a uh, awesome way Uh, it's just well uh it was an absolute pleasure to read so uh thank you i'm sorry it took 10 years to make but man (laughs) uh, (laughs) it's worth it when you read it you can really tell that like uh, a lot of heart went into this
5: oh thanks yeah it's um it's a it's a weird one in that you know i i wrote the first issue i actually don't remember like i I, (laughs) i wrote the first draft of it probably six or seven years ago but then it changes and then you don't touch it for a while and you come back to it. And then of course, like it's interpreted differently by each artist. And then, uh, or it would be anyway. And then the lettering pass is like, Oh, I kind of remember writing this. Hold on. Let me I wouldn't write that now. Let me rewrite this. And so it's this weird kind of like fusion of a lot of different kind of eras of my life. Um, which is a very kind of strange surreal experience because you don't realize you're out of an era until, You look back and and suddenly, you you know, there's a there's a pane of glass separating you from it. Uh, And and something like this is very much uh, uh, there. There are there are several panes in this uh, in, in, in this window.
0: Well, to that point, without getting too much into spoilers, and I think it's something Mm -hmm. that became more clear when I read the second issue, again, that comes out tomorrow for anybody (laughs) listening, is it really feels like, in a good way, this comic is front-loaded. Like, there's so Mm -hmm. much information that you pack in that first issue. It's so wide. It's so broad in scope. And then you zone in with this very hardcore action sequence. It isn't really until the second issue that we get, okay here's what's going on here's how maybe maybe i haven't read beyond the second issue but maybe how the comic is going to work so what was important to get across and do in that first issue when you finally found sat down to craft it
5: yeah that um that that was something that was very very kind of at the forefront for me um even even before the example i'm, I'm about to use but um <laughs> you know i didn't want to do the thing where premise is really baked in as a twist at the end of the first issue. And I've done that before and I love doing that. Um, but it's really, really, really hard to do. Um, you know, the, the book that um, Matt Groom's first book self made that I was the editor on uh, a couple of years ago, we had that problem in that the, the, the true premise of the book is a twist at the end of issue one. And it's really cool. And it makes the reading experience awesome, but it makes promoting the book impossible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I wanted to be careful with, with something like that with ordinary gods, but also, you know, and part of this, part of this also probably spe- you know, speaks to where I was in my life and where I was in my career. When I f- started the project, um, you know, I, I don't assume I have any runway like, for people's attention, like I, I can't do a long, or I didn't think anyway. I, I really could do a long, drawn-out, um, you know, kind of slow revelation of what exactly this is. You know, um, so I, I felt like it, it behooved us to hit it early, hit it kind of on the nose, if need be, um because the concept is the premise is. What's weird is the pre- the premise is challenging um, to convey in in an efficient way uh, and in a way that's like easily easy to digest and understand. Um, but it's also not the most interesting thing that the book's going to be exploring. <laughs> so it, it felt like let's just like let's just get it out there like upfront. Let's talk about it in interviews, in the press, in solicits Like, and the promise of the premise is what we're going to be doing um after these first couple issues um so i mean we're looking to end the world right i mean that's (laughs) (laughs) just just a little thing just a tiny little thing
0: yeah nothing less (laughs) uh since you have been planning this for 10 years about Mm. how far do you have it planned out beyond that first issue at this point
5: it's pretty sufficiently planned out (laughs) um and we're we're going to be announcing something Uh, pretty soon. I I would say it now, uh, but I don't want, I don't want Kat to kill me uh, (laughs) if we have, if we have plans for it. So, but there is some stuff coming, coming up that we're going to be, I'm going to be announcing um, with regards to like, it's tough to say, but the trajectory of the book um, and what, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a big, it's a big, <laughs> there's, 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 uh, there is significant scope behind what we're looking to do. All right, I, I, so I, I put will. It that way.
0: I'll put that in my pocket and save <laughs> yeah. it for later. Whenever <laughs> <we're> <laughs> uh, I yeah. did want to ask you about Radiant Black as well. Yes, we've been sure. yeah. loving that book so much here on the show, and this is one. It's interesting to hear you talk about putting those twists in the first issue because mm-hmm. it feels like they come out almost every single issue. Like you're kind of leaving <laughs> it all on the table every time. Uh, for those who haven't read the book, it's and tell me if I'm describing anything wrong, but basically it's a down-on-his-luck writer, kind of bumming around, finds a mini black hole, touches it, gets these powers, and gets embroiled in something way bigger than himself. That's where it sort of starts, and it starts in, we've compared it a lot to Invincible on the show, Mm -hmm. I think, at least sort of as a touchstone where it begins, but it goes so far afield in these first couple of issues, things (laughs) change dramatically. Uh, What was what was kind of the MO behind that? What was important to get out in this book?
5: Well, it's, I mean, I've, (laughs) I've been, I've been lovingly uh, referring to the book as power Rangers for adults. (laughs) Um, And I always have to, I always have to qualify that though, because it's, it, even that's reductive. Like power Rangers is for more than children. Like I'm not implying that power Rangers is not for adults. What I'm actually trying to say is like this is power rangers if they had adult problems like you know he's thirty-eight thousand dollars in credit card debt and chased his dreams and he's 30 and shit hasn't worked out so far you know and Mm -hmm. just the very idea of of you know this generation that i am a part of that i don't know i I feel like we were, were we're the last generation to be sold the idea of the american dream in in the way shape and form that it has been presented for a whole lot of years. Um, and you know, it's just like, we're just doing the best we can. (laughs) (laughs) Um, you know, these, these paths in life that were, uh, I don't know what, I don't know about, I don't know about uh, you, Sal, but like, uh, Sorry, not to separate us generationally. I shouldn't. I shouldn't be. I shouldn't presume here. Well, Pete <laughs> and, and I are both
0: sixteen years old. But right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you I guys,
5: step- you know what? I think it's actually going to be easier for you because you're way more malleable about <laughs> where to create for and what you know, mm. the gig economy and things like yeah. that. Pete's and, on I'm TikTok sitting here. a lot. I don't know what a Snapchat is. Okay, so yeah. Um, but but yeah. So uh, you know, I'm I'm saying all of this um, tongue in cheek, but but a lot of this stuff is what. Was behind um, some of my interests in building out um, Radiant Black, what became Radiant Black, and you know it, it's it's also something that, um, based on my experience with Power Rangers and and then Ultraman and and certainly my kind of growing love of of things like Common Rider and and uh, and Super Sentai. Um, oh, there it is. Um, <laughs> Took me a second when basically Eric Stevenson texted me one night and said, Hey, have I ever asked you about building an original superhero? And I was like, what do you, what does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, not like, you know, uh, a Batman or Superman analog, but like something original, like contemporary, like optimistic sci-fi. And I was like, well, I would kill to do that. But <laughs> I assumed there would not, there would never be a market for something like that. And he's like, no, I think there would be. And, and he's reminded me since that, we actually talked about this at Emerald city in like probably gosh, twenty seventeen, maybe something like that. 2018. Wow. And I completely forgot about it. Yeah. <laughs> the idea of like building an, a, a new superhero for kind of contemporary times, you know, and then to your, to your point about, um, a lot of the twists and the reveals and things like that. Um, yeah, that's that's something I, I feel a, a really big sense of responsibility for and, and about. Um, there's a lot of comics on the stands um, and there are a lot of superhero comics on the stands. Um, but there aren't a lot of superhero comics where truly anything can happen. Right. And I feel like if you <laughs> there also aren't a lot of superhero comics where they're it, the creators are empowered or allowed hmm. to make anything happen. Right. Yeah. Um, and that's not a knock on Marvel DC books whatsoever. You know, I've written a ton of them. You know, I'm writing dark Hawk right now for Marvel, but I do feel like um, if you're going to bring out a new superhero book, especially um, you better do something, you better do something interesting and you better take some big swings. Um, and honestly with radiant Black, the, the, like this first arc like this was our first at bat in our first game like you have no idea like <laughs> what? What? you have no you have no idea the stuff we've like and i'm so sorry if that sounds arrogant i really don't mean it to like we've just been planning a lot i mean then i mean i i that's all i do like i don't have a life like i just work. <laughs> like this is all i do so um there have been a lot of, uh, and, and Michael, my editor and designer is in Australia. So when I'm asleep, he's awake and it's right. all he does. Right. So <laughs> it's just a 24 seven cycle of ideas and planning. And, you know, um, if you like radiant black, you should probably follow the at black market NAR uh, account, uh, especially on Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, you should probably make sure you're following that account. And just to keep harping
0: on this one part of it, I know I called out Invincible before, but I think... I love Invincible. So, so Please, good. Well, I will I, take that any day of the week. <laughs> well, the reason we keep bringing it up when we review it, and we've talked about, I think, every issue on our Stack podcast so far, uh, where we review the comics, the... Mm-hmm. There's these twists that are sort of like, uh, people talk about the 12th or, I think it's the 12th or 13th issue of Invincible, the one with the big reveal that I won't spoil in case anybody hasn't read it yet. But it feels like that sort of thing comes every issue here. But also what you're really bringing is this emotional intensity and this heart to every issue that also reminds me very fondly of that comic. But the thing that I've been really impressed about and that has diversified it from that initial feel of young hero getting powers and he's trying them out Uh, just to like plug the, I think it was the last issue. It followed a different character in a different art Mm -hmm. style. And that in and of itself feels like its own big swing to, I think that was the sixth issue of the book to do that there. That's pretty bold uh, to what you're talking about to take a young comic with a new audience and be like, nope, we're going to totally shake it up. Six issues in.
5: Yeah. Um, <laughs> you yeah.
0: you sounded so nervous right there.
5: <laughs> no, it's, it's something, I mean, it's calculated, um, mm-hmm. but it's also something that. So. <laughs> it, it's, it's a double-edged sword because on the one hand, I, I very much feel that readers come to create their own books for the creative team. You're not coming for the character you know you're not reading i I mean pick a book for that it's not like batman like it's not like you know readers will follow characters when it's when it's marvel dc etc yeah um or some readers will um on a creator own book like if so and so is not doing the art if 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 tony daniel's not drawing that issue of not noctera like is it the same, right? Like that's the mm-hmm. that's the that's the dilemma you have as creators. Um, so what do you do? Okay, well you can build your schedule to take a month off or take two months off, like the saga model, and that works um, for a lot of creators, and 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 it certainly worked in the past. Uh, I, I you know for me, um, I I look at that and it's like I've done it, and and it's it's nice because you can catch your breath, but you're also off the stands for at least a month. Right. And on the one hand, yes, letting retailers know as long as long as you let retailers know when you're coming back, it's like it it it's OK, except out of sight is out of mind, especially in a crowded marketplace. So you don't want to be off stands. But the monthly publishing model with the level of and the complexity and the sophistication of art that we have in this day and age, like it's it's a really, really, really tough model to do yeah. true monthly. So. Uh, when I was doing Power Rangers, I helped kind of build um, not I don't want to say the publishing model, um, but but the narrative model uh, for publishing. So we they wanted to do like, I think, four issue trades or something like that. And so every fifth issue, we did a one shot and Henry That's what it was. Hendry Persecha didn't wasn't able to do a true monthly and so, at, at we decided that we would basically do, I would, I would, I basically built it so that every fifth issue was a character-focused one-shot that either answered, or reversed, or recontextualized um, something that we did in those first four issues. So it always felt narratively important and significant, even though you could probably classify it as a fill-in mm. on the creator-owned side of things. Um, when there aren't existing characters. Because even Power Rangers, you can go like, sure, we can get different artists to do each issue. Um, People are going to read it because it's Power Rangers. Well, on Radiant Black, that's not the case. Uh, And so I started looking at, like, how do we do something like this that is both A, narratively exciting and makes sense, but B, is artistically exciting and makes sense? And it's really a testament to Marcelo and michael and becca the the entire aesthetic and visual um style of the book is something i'm i'm incredibly proud to be a part of um it's also made it a little easier when reaching out to artists because they can see not only the book but the social like things like that of like oh this is all really you know it's really on point it's all well designed like the suit looks good like Marcelo's art is really crazy, great. Like the design is really contemporary and really, really um, slick. Uh, And so when I reached out to one of my all-time favorite artists, David LaFuente, well, I guess he goes by Darko now, David Darko LaFuente, and said, is there any shot you'd have time to do an issue? Um, He had already seen the book and this was like a month after it announced. It wasn't even out yet. And so we were able to start talking that way, and to me, like again, he's one of my all time favorite artists, on top of the fact that like I feel like in the case of a superhero book um if you can get people of the of the caliber and the talent level as david um as uh or as David Finch, who did a great cover for our first issue, goni montes, Daniele Di nicolo. Um, you know, we, we've just had, a uh, murderers row of talent doing covers. It, I feel like it helps validate the character mm. as well within, a, within the market, you know? Yeah. So, so that's what's behind. That's the long winded answer. That's well, uh, great
4: because, uh, you know, you're hitting on something culturally speaking that I think the modern comic book reading audience is looking for. I think it, 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 targets on why invincible was so revolutionary or why it's so beloved why like people vehemently defend or love invincible so badly it's because it's a universe where it's a contemporary character that represents the, a generation that also mm-hmm. uh, anything can happen to the stakes are uh you are, are unknowable and it's mm-hmm. only on the whims of the creative team which of course you know is speaks to the success of i think of Radiant black is it's touching on something culturally that is a shift in in the comic book reading audience which is they want stakes they want the character to matter they want things to impact that character they want to also be on the ground floor of that character and and their journey so you know i think that speaks to yeah. uh, the success
5: uh, no, thank you. Um, also, sorry, I got the, I got distracted literally by a fire. On, well, not literally a fire, but I literally got distracted by a proverbial fire on rating Black. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. oh, all
0: right. Well, that probably is a good note to wrap up on that so you can uh, put out that fire. But what else do you want to plug,
5: if anything, Kyle? Uh, well, I want to plug whatever feature Sal and I are going to do for Comic Top <laughs> returns uh, over here. Yeah, yeah. Like, what are we going to do? Something are we? I mean, you Let's guys are it, hearing man. it here uh, in chat for the first time. We're gonna, yeah. Right? yeah you I, tell you tell me, uh, and I'll be there for it. All right. I'll uh, I'll call you. I'll have my people call your people, which is <laughs> oh, the, see, I'll, I'm making I'll, connections. <laughs> I, I love you. this. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, I've got. Um, well, there's Radiant Black. Uh, there's Ordinary Gods, which is out tomorrow. Ordinary mm-hmm. Gods number two, um, and then I would say. Um, like I said, pay attention. I would pay attention to the at black market NAR account this week, um, especially on Friday. I mean, if you like cool stuff, if you don't, yeah, you not don't have it, to, but thank you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, I, think, I think more will kind of come to light then as far awesome. as kind of what, what I've been up to and what my 2021 is uh, very quickly shaping up to be.
0: Awesome. Cool. And Sal, what about you? What should people check out?
4: Uh, well, uh, as Kyle so succinctly put, uh, we launched a new channel. It's called Comic Pop Returns. That's where we do interviews and uh, li- like with good people like Kyle, who I'm sure we'll see again. Uh, <laughs> speaking presumptuously, uh, but no, we we uh, we do live shows over there and uh, and comic book discussions, and of course over on YouTube.com/slash Comic Pop, you can subscribe and check out our long-winded analyses and discussions of uh, full trades or stories and uh, and everything else
0: uh, therein. So hopefully, you'll check us out. Awesome, guys! Cool. Thank you so much for coming on the show. It was a pleasure. Yeah, appreciate Have it. Have a great night.
5: You guys too. Take, take care. care. Right. Thanks yeah. so much for having us.
0: Yeah, pleasure. All right. uh Once again, that was Sal Crivelli from Comic Pop. You can check out Comic Pop Returns. And Kyle Higgins, Ordinary Gods and Radiant Black are both out from Image Comics right property. now. Absolutely amazing. And folks, we're going to move on with our next section, which is my favorite section because you all make it up. It's your audience questions. And for audience questions, all you need to do is drop a question either in the comments section over on YouTube. It can be about absolutely anything, and we will check it out there or on Crowdcast and ask a question. But first, a word from our sponsor. Oh, uh, you like that? Attention yeah. listeners across the galaxy all the way from Australia to Houston. Do we have a pube problem? If so, our friends at Manscaped have cleared you for takeoff with their fourth generation and brand new Lawnmower 4.0. Kick your pubes to the next planet with the Performance Package 4.0. The orbits in your pants will feel like you're in zero gravity when you use the best tools for the job for the leaders in male grooming. Join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get your rocket ready for takeoff by going to manscaped.com wow. for 20% off plus free shipping with code fadside 20 Inside this package, you'll find their lawnmower, Mower 4.0 Trimmer, Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner, Performance Boxer Briefs, and a travel bag to hold your whole solar system. Pete, wow! you're going to stuff your whole solar system in
2: that bag? Uh, I hope so, man. I hope they send it to us. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, you know, Justin loves the underwear. so He does, and you love the... Manscaped the lawn
0: 4 4.0, right? 4.0.
2: Yeah, I've used that. It's great. Uh the light is super helpful. That's great. And uh you doesn't can use hurt it your, to nuts. Find your
0: keys. Oh, it doesn't hurt your nuts. Yeah. They should put that on boring. the package.
2: Yeah.
0: I, I hesitate to ask, but I have to ask now. Were you using razors that hurt
2: your nuts? <laughs> uh well, uh there are some that are more well built than others.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, you know, it's like uh kind of like those razors you use those electrical razors on your face when they first came out they would pull a little bit and mm. they would kind of hurt
4: well, uh, and you yeah. used to
2: use an a old piece of glass, right, that you found in an alleyway? Exactly, yeah. yeah. Or would no, I good. just break my empty uh, <laughs> bottle that I'd been drinking mm-hmm. out of, you know. Finish
0: up your Petey Popper, break the glass, just yeah, go just, to town.
2: Yeah, just shave my face, Yep. Great.
0: I'm glad they hired us for this ad, and I'm sure they're glad as well. Get 20% <laughs> off plus free shipping with the code <laughs> FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. That's <laughs> 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com for a clean trinity and beyond your space balls, well, thank you. Spaceballs, the flamethrower. Yes. Let's move on to questions again. If you have a question about absolutely anything, comics, TV, movies, love life, whatever you want, drop it in the comments over on YouTube or ask a question here on Crowdcast. We'll go here. Let's into our ad. This is from... Edward Doherty. if Manscaped was a comic character, what would his origin powers be? And what type of villains would be in his rogue gallery? And how would Alan Moore deconstruct deconstruct <laughs> these tropes later on? Uh, you know, it's funny, actually, when we first signed up to do the Manscaped ads, it was Alan Moore's performance package 4.0, but then he took his name off of it.
2: Yeah, yeah. Which is tough, because we were all on mm-hmm. board, because yeah. Justin knows Alan Moore.
1: And well, friends. he
0: he used to co-host the Watchmen podcast with us, Watchmen
2: Watch. So we knew him very
0: well. He wasn't able to make most of the episodes of Watchmen Watch, but he promised us he was going to come for the Manscaped ad, and then it didn't, no dice. Didn't 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 work out, yeah. But what do you think? What kind of comic character would Manscaped be? What would his origins and powers be?
2: I don't know, man. (laughs)
0: You're too forgot at this point.
2: (laughs) I think, yeah, I think it's just, you know, uh, Somebody who uh, likes to keep things clean. You know what I mean? Just yeah, likes keeps to it fresh. Keeps it fresh. Yeah. It he'd trim. probably
0: have shaver hands, I assume. Mm-hmm.
2: That's one thing that would be going
0: on. And he'd probably have a nice little, he'd have a lot of pockets, Rob Liefeld style. Yeah, probably. Uh, his <laughs> uh, Edward says his arch to be an escaped man. I think we'll go with that. Great. There we go. That works. This is from Kevin. What's your favorite example of a joke character that's made serious and are awesome either in another medium like Polka Dot Man in the Suicide Squad or in later runs like Kite Man in Tom King's run? Kite Man is a well, great example. Yeah. Which you Kevin, never gonna, liked,
2: right? Yeah. Kevin, if you're going to like ask us a question, then answer it better than we could answer. I mean, it kind of takes the fun out of it because anything now, after what we, you are, said. Why don't you run the show? Yeah. Uh-huh? Like anything after that uh-huh? just sounds dumb. Yeah, yeah, Kite, Kite Man's well, a perfect example because I hated Kite Man, and then Kite Man won me over. Well, here's the thing, though, we should clarify, is you didn't like Kite Man in Tom King's run.
0: Right. You only liked Kite Man on Harley Quinn, the animated series, because it was played by our friend Matt Oberg.
2: Well, also, you know, it wasn't just the Oberg of it all. I mean, Oberg really brought us something to it that was magical. I say quiet. But yeah, yeah. I mean, he was yeah. kind of perfect for that. Uh, his kind of like improv style is kind of over it. So it, it worked out perfectly. But I think that um, it it's just one of those characters where it's like really about the perspective and really about what you're doing with the character. You know, where you have just somebody silly all the time, like a plastic man or whatever. There have been some runs where you can put some heart behind it, add some seriousness, and you've got a different kind of character, different tone to that character, which can add some depth. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I was impressed with the different choices that they made with Man that kind of, uh, will open me up to this, the possibility of this character.
0: Well, I mean, I'm surprised Kevin didn't say this in the question because I feel like this is his go-to anyway, but Squirrel Girl is the first one that comes yeah, to mind. He loves me. to bring up Squirrel. Love Squirrel Girl. I love Squirrel Girl too. And I yeah. love the joke of Squirrel Girl initially that was like, well, I beat Thanos. How did I do that? That happened off panel. That's a great joke. And what uh, everybody did with it, particularly Dan Slott, what he did with her was fantastic and super fun. But the fact that they took a joke character And kept the humor and kept the heart there, or at least added in heart and a lot of intelligence in Ryan Norris run in particular, is great. It's really good and it really elevated the characters to something different. Beyond that one joke premise that is really, really impre- uh, impressive. And Kevin says here, it was hard for me to not say Squirrel Girl so hard. <laughs> I bet. could have said it. Uh, we got a question here over on YouTube from Brandon. Daniel says, have you read any of the new Milestone books? And if so, what are your thoughts? I liked Static and loved Icon and Rocket. Pete, I know you're a fan of the Milestone stuff, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean... It- I'm very happy right now that they're kind of uh, giving us a kind of new run of that right now. Uh, excuse me. Uh, Dracula is about to enter my building, apparently. Oh, uh, cool. But, uh, yeah, I'm excited that, that we're getting some new number ones with that. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll be talking about one of them in the stack. So Well, you can... You can talk about it, Pete. It's out on stands because
0: it's a DC book. Oh, right. So Hardware Season 1, Number 1 came out today, which I know you liked quite a bit.
2: Yeah, I really love the art style. Uh, It's a great kind of uh, retelling of a kind of a classic uh, DC character. And I hope it gets a lot of traction and I hope it does well because, um, you know, there, there's a lot of different characters out there and I feel like if we kind of use them right and use them well, we can uh, say a lot more than, uh, than what we're using.
0: I'm really curious to see what happens beyond these first issues for these titles because I think they're all good. They've all been really solid, but they're very much... At least part recap, you know, getting everybody caught up to speed with, hey, this is what the character is. This is what they stand for. You haven't read them in a really long time, but here's what's going on with them. Uh, so I'm excited to check out second issues of any of them and see how the characters progress potentially, because I think that'll be really the proof of their longstandingness. That's yeah. not a word. I don't know what I'm talking about. This is from Stray Bullet. Have you guys ever come up with your own comic characters for fun? And if so, who were they and what was their origin? Ooh, great question. Do you have uh, one, Pete? You did your own comic.
2: Yeah, I did my own comic for a little while. Uh, but I also, when I was a little kid, I used to uh, draw comics, um, uh, kind of about my struggle a little bit, and it was mm-hmm. called Pee Wee. And uh, it was he. It was really short, but he had a little propeller hat. Remember those old <laughs> little propeller hats? Uh-huh. So he could like fly up and punch tall people in the face.
0: Oh, very nice. Very similarly, the only one that I can think of is I had a character named Super Buggy that I created, uh, who had two big eyes and a nose and a little bug body and wings. And I draw him all the time. And he would just, I don't know. I don't even honestly know what his powers are, other than (laughs) I was able to draw him very well. And he was one of the few things I was able to draw very well uh, and very simply. So I think he flew. And that was pretty much it. But there you go. Both of those are coming out on Substack, I believe, next week. We yeah, as soon as our deals,
2: deals go through.
0: Yeah. This is from Nelson Martinez. Big Harley Quinn fan. I loved her in the new Suicide Squad movie. Looks uh, fed to your review. Who is your guy's favorite portrayal of her character? And also, which version of Harley do you like best? So I'll mention... Uh, I'm, I I'm, I assume people have checked it out, but if not, in the comic book club feed, we put up a dedicated Suicides, the Suicide Squad, excuse me, review podcast over the weekend, so you can check that out. But Pete, best Harley Quinn of all time. This is a tough one, I think. Yeah,
2: that's a tough one. I'm going to go with the animated series, Um, Kelly Cuoco. Yeah. um, I just think that the harley quinn has got heart um she uh tries to do which what's right which is great about her um the animated series really kind of brought uh that uh to play but like it's also fun to see her mischievous side her i don't play by the rules which is fun and uh you know amanda connor and jimmy Palmiotti do a great job with that and they have a lot of fun with her as a character um but yeah, uh, for me, it's really been the uh, the animated stuff uh, so far, although um, the the stuff that James Tynan is doing, is doing right now is also very enjoyable. Well, and you're a big Big Bang
0: Theory fan, right? So you're no. like, oh, it's no, Penny's voice. It's Penny from the Big Bang Theory. I love her on that show. Yeah, Bazinga, no. right? Yeah. This is a really tough one. A couple of people in the comments said Arlene Sorkin, Bruce Timms, all the way. I think... Design-wise, yes. I love the old Harley Quinn costume. I'm a huge fan of that. Huge fan of her on Batman the Animated Series. But I think as a character, they have done an incredible job of moving beyond that initial Joker's girlfriend uh, dichotomy that she was stuck in and letting her really grow and change. We were talking about this on the Suicide Squad review, but... This mini arc that she's had over the course of the first Suicide Squad movie to Birds of Prey to now in the Suicide Squad is so impressive. Same thing in the comics where she just moved away from this and become her own character. And also in the like you were saying, in the animated series, Kelly Cuoco's character on HBO Max. Also, just great. Like, a lot of that is still about the Joker and her relationship with the Joker. But I think particularly where she ends up at the end of season two, we're going to see more of that. And that's good. The characters changed. And I think the modern uh, the modern version of her, the where, place where she is now versus, say, kind of like the Arkham City era when it was just all, I'm still Joker's girlfriend, but I'm wearing a tiny costume that irked me but I think they've reclaimed that and a lot of that to your point came out of Jimmy Pamiati's Amanda Connor's run which really built up the character in a really fun way and made her yep. this is reductive but DC's Deadpool in a certain way you know so uh, that's a long way of saying I don't know I think there's
2: things to be said for all of them <laughs> yeah, you but... couldn't just say I don't know you had to be like no I, I know about talk. this character let me show you <laughs> I should give a TED talk on that. And at
0: the end of the TED talk is, I did conclusion. I don't don't know. know. (laughs)
1: Um,
0: Here we go. We got one last one over here on YouTube. This is from Ramsey Hassan. Which MCU director would you guys like to see canceled and then make a DC film and which DC title? Uh, This is riffing off of, of course, James Gunn. The fact that he was canceled for his tweets, fired for Marvel, went over to DC and now is coming back to Marvel to do Guardians of the Galaxy three uh what uh who who would you like to see i guess make the leap to dc i feel like we've answered this one before
2: yeah i mean i don't want to see uh this person canceled but i would love to see uh what favreau would do over at dc that would be very interesting maybe you can make
0: like chef but in the dc universe or something like that
2: hey man that sounds delicious
0: (laughs) (laughs) uh i feel like i'm trying to remember what we said the last time i guess that doesn't matter Taiko watiti could probably do whatever and yeah. that would be great i think that would be fun to see him take on something i feel like i mentioned this before but uh like peyton reed on shadow pact or something would be very fun as well uh-huh. um I don't know. That would be cool. Uh, This is one last one. This actually is not a question, but I'll use it as a chance to plug. How long can you make a name? Says What If, What If premiered tomorrow. Why, it does indeed. It premieres at 3 a.m. on Disney+. Plus. Let's get up early for it. Let's get up early. We're going to have a What If podcast go up in the Marvel Vision feed at 3 a.m. in the morning. So everybody go watch What If, and then the podcast will be right there for you in the The Marvel Vision podcast feed, so you get to see our breakdown of the full first episode.
2: Get ready, it's emotional. I uh, got I got choked up
0: in the first up. Yeah, well, you got choked up. You got choked up about everything.
2: It's emotional stuff. That what if?
0: It is all right, and that is it for your audience questions. Next up. It is time for trivia. And for that, I'm going to turn it over to my good friend, Pete LePage.
2: All right. This is the part we give back to you, the lovely audience. It's an opportunity to win $25 free in the form of a gift card to Midtown Comics online. Um, Because if you had $25, you'd go to a comic book shop. So all we need is a first hand up. And yeah, so I'll mention go. we
0: don't have a volunteer this week. I'm going to drop a link into the chats. Uh, but if you want to win $25, all you got to do is either say hand up and Crowdcast or in YouTube. Uh, you will answer three easy questions. Just say, yes, me, or something like that. And then we will give you $25 is basically how it works. Yeah, that's right. Uh, but anybody, absolutely anybody. This is my favorite part of the show when we cut it out like this. Where we're doing uh, ooh, a how long can you make a name says the answer is c it sounds like a volunteer to me it does it does i'll tell you what how long can you make a name you've been so great at chatting all you got to do is drop some answers in the chat you're definitely gonna get this pete take
2: it away okay today's trivia is on topical comic news and a small nod to the legend Marky post Rest in peace. Please listen to all three options before making your selection. So here we go. Question number one. Who announced a big deal with the Substack platform? (laughs) And if you were paying attention, we did mention this person's name. Is it A, Scotty Young, B, Jackie Young, or is it C, Young at Heart, Jeffrey Tambor? So it's either A... If you would like twenty five dollars, mm-hmm. or you or can pick something to, that's wrong. Oh, you can pick something else. Also, thanks for bringing up uh,
0: Jeffrey Tambor, a controversial figure. Um, appreciate that. That's...
2: Oh, oh, darn it! Didn't yeah. know that. Okay. Do you want to do a quick sub out for anybody else? Um, not prepared to do that. So <laughs> right. no. Damn it, that's So what is it? You
0: just, uh, you just need to potentially t- type A in the chat and you that's get right. the
2: question
1: so,
0: correct, right?
2: That's right. Hmm. Let's see. Let's see what happens. There's always a delay on YouTube. Wow. So. Kevin's already on it. Sub so out Sarah Silverman. Yep. Uh, here we Kevin go, Aaron Kev. I should, yeah. I should have done that. You're right, Kev. should have done that. Uh, Let's here. see if Kev gets my other uh, guesses. All right. I'm gonna assume he says a, and let's move on. Okay, all right. What's the second question? Or they, I should say. I shouldn't they assume. Huh? Uh, here we go. Question number two. Marvel announced the death of what character will make will make way for three new supervillains? Is it a April Ross, b Doctor Strange, or is it c Keith David? Hmm. all right so the choices are wow he called it but for the it was for the second wait, one. wait let's not go
0: back they're... to the question you're getting confused so okay first answer a is
2: april ross which you don't want or it's b dr strange hmm. what marvel character will okay. die so I, would, a... I would
0: type b is what you're saying like yeah, if i was right. how long can you make a name i would type the letter b in the chat and then get it correct right exactly, exactly. Interesting. All right. I guess we'll, we'll see what. Oh, you're assuming again?
2: We're assuming you got it right.
0: Okay. Keep going.
2: Yeah. We can't have that, you know. I mean, okay, here we go. Question number three What new Hickman series promises to burn the X Men world to the ground? Ooh. Is it A, Nevin Harrison? Okay. B, Inferno series? Or is it C, Brett Favre? So it's either A, or you could be correct and name it. It be Inferno series, which makes sense when you think about it, because it said burned the X Men world hmm. to the ground. Inferno series. You know. So A was Inferno. Uh, no B Ooh. B. So the correct combination would be A B B. Okay. Let's see
0: if how long can you make a name types B yeah what was the secret movie in the meantime while we're waiting
2: it was Kevin is correct it is there's something about Mary Mm. and there was also a sub one inside of this what which is a shout out to uh U.S. Olympic gold Mm. just the idea of U.S. Olympic gold no Jackie Young won Olympic gold so did April Ross Okay. And Nevin Harrison. Wow. Double quiz. Double triple quiz. <laughs> like a triple Lindy. Yeah. Well, what you know, name? I just thought it'd be a great, that's uh, a nice ref. Uh, All right. I tell you what, how, how
0: long can you make a name? Correctly got it. So they are getting a $25 gift card to Midtown Comics. Just shoot us an email at comicbookclublive at gmail.com and we will get that right out to you. Now, before we wrap up here, new comics are cool. We like them. Yep. They're coming out all week. Pete,
2: what are you looking forward to? Well, I'm looking forward to Silver Coin number five, mm. as well as Detective Comics 1041. Nice. Any particular reason why? Um. Well, even though Silver Coin has been insanely scary, it's still been very enjoyable and very creative and the art's unbelievable. So it's won me over. All right, fair enough.
0: I am looking forward to Defenders number one is coming out tomorrow from Ooh, Marvel. Yeah. That's written by Al Ewing, who's great, and art by Javier Rodriguez, which is amazing. So very excited to check that out. And another Marvel title, Runaways number one hundred, which is the last you know, issue of the series. Well, I love Rainbow Rowell, one of my favorite writers. I'm reading her book a Wayward Son right now, which is a lot of fun. Um, so I'm bummed she's leaving the title, but excited to check that out. Both, all of those books, excuse me, are going to be in our stack podcast that comes out tomorrow, 9 a.m., Wednesday morning, 9 a.m., both in the Comic Book Club feed and in its own dedicated stack feed. And, folks, that is it for this week's show couple of people we want to thank. We want to thank our amazing guests. We want to thank Sal Crivelli for coming on. Definitely check out Comic Pop and Comic Pop Returns. Nandor Fox Schaefer. Check out Man yeah. Child on Kickstarter that's running right now. Kyle Higgins. Check out Ordinary Gods and Radiant Black, both from Image, both amazing books. Next week on the show, well, we're going to have We more. should
2: thank Justin for being here. He was a great host. He wasn't here. Mark Crilly
0: is going to be here to talk about his book, My Last Summer with Cass, and also Chad Sell, one of my children's favorite creators is going to be here to talk about the cardboard kingdom the roar of the beast so maybe they'll be here to ask questions i don't know
2: that would be awesome
0: i'll see what happens it's pretty late for them we'll see if it's past the dead time a couple of other things to plug as we mentioned marvel vision our marvel podcast is jumping right into what if starting tomorrow so you can check that out in the marvel vision feed also riverdale after dark a riverdale podcast finally oh. back we had a special episode that went up yesterday talking to the music producers of riverdale which was a super fun chat but wednesday the show is back so that is gonna pop right after the show airs in the riverdale after dark feed also star guys our star girl podcast is dropping in like 10 minutes So get out of here I can't believe we're taping both things at the same time It's wild I don't know But we're going to be dropping the premiere podcast for that Patreon.com slash comic book club to support the show iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher Or the app if you choose to subscribe and listen At Comic Book Live on Twitter Comic Book Club Live on Instagram Comic Book Club Live.com for this podcast and many more Until next time Good night Thanks Justin's mom